Coming up, we're talking about the final part of Big Finish's big 20th anniversary box set. It's part 6 of Doctor Who, The Legacy of Time. We've come a long way from Liza Ruin starring McGann, all the way through to avenues of possibility with Colin Baker. We've been left with a wealth of unanswered questions, and as the Sixth Doctor put it at the end of the last story, time will tell. And here we are, was it worth it? Did we get all the answers we wanted? And of course, we'll be discussing that scene, Liam. Oh yes, that yes, scene. Yeah, that scene. And um, this is our bit of a chat review about Collision Course. Hello and welcome back to Cloisterbell, a weekly Doctor Who podcast hosted by Liam and Rob. So it's took us a while to get here. We've reviewed part one of Legacy all the way back in July, Liam. Yeah, crikey. Um, we fi- we finally reached the end. There was a bit of a gap uh, from yeah. doing Lies and Ruins, which was the first episode, before we then went on to do episodes two onwards. So um, there was a bit of a gap. And then it was just sort of, we did Lies and Ruins, and going, why haven't we gone back to finish that story? But finally, yes. we're here. It's, it feels like it's taken... It's been a long more, journey. It feels like it's taken most of the year. Uh, but yes, it probably it probably raised our expectations too high. <laughs> Been waiting months for this climax to the story. Yeah. So here's the publisher's sum- summary for Collision Course. Fallout from the temporal distortions has now reached Gallifrey. To find the cause, Leela and Romana remember travels with the Fourth Doctor on the same world at different times. The enemy is revealed, and it may take more than one Doctor to prevent the destruction of everything. Yeah, I think that's quite so, a good uh, summing up of of the episode. Yeah. We were wondering, will it actually include more than one Doctor, weren't we? Uh, yes, we, yes, we did, yeah. And yeah. that and that uh, that is definitely mm-hmm. answered in, in this episode. But yeah. as you say, we'll discuss that scene later on. Yes. So it's written by some guy, Guy Adams, <laughs> to be more precise. <laughs> well... Um, yeah, uh, he's also wrote a lot of brilliant stories. Um, he's also wrote the brilliant story in the set, The Sacrifice of Joe Grant, mm-hmm. um, and a ton of other things for um, Big Finish, as well as um, some BBC books and some things for Torchwood in class. Yep. Um, but yes, we did like The Sacrifice of Joe Grant, didn't we? Yes, yes, we did. And you can check out all our previous podcasts. Of course, we reviewed that one and and the others mm-hmm. yeah. obviously <laughs> and the cast for this episode um not everyone was revealed on the box i think <laughs> no no they definitely would which uh is probably just as well because i think that would have uh, ruined the the quite nice surprise of that scene um yeah. so should we um should we just jump ahead do the spoiler disclaimer now yeah we may as well so, um, yep, spoilers from now on. <laughs> okay, so, um, the opening scene was obviously quite exciting. We've got um, Lala Ward narrates the um, the talk with Lida, mm-hmm. slash kind of talk to the audience. Um, and she tells of a catastrophe that could be the end of everything. Yep. Yeah, and 
as well as this, we hear the TARDIS test flight too. Um, with this part of Time World history that, um, which was the first test flight of a TARDIS. And these pilots are about to set off and they hear singing and it's the sirens. Um, and one of them is punching. Yes, finally. Uh, I was right. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was, I love the, the opening scene or scenes before we get to the, the theme music in this episode. It was tremendously exciting. It was incredibly well done. So yes, you were right. It was all linked to the uh, the test, the very first um, test flight of a TARDIS. Um, so that was all terribly exciting. We finally get put, we actually, you know, hear Punch and find out who he who he is, because uh, we first had this ghostly character in the second episode, the Split Infinitive. Yes, um, and. And then that that was one of the questions that had remained unanswered. And we've said in the previous podcast, we always go, this had better be answered. We better find out who Punchin <laughs> is. And indeed we do. So that's good. He was he was one of the Time Lords. Oh, well, one of the Gallifreyans uh, testifying test the very first TARDIS. And it was all very exciting. And it was all... I loved the sound design as well. I loved the music and how all that was building up and how you have the sound of the sirens and all that was part of it. Uh, it's pretty exciting, yeah. Yeah, it was an absolutely uh, cracking good introduction. And it was getting me fired up because I think we were... There was always that possibility. We didn't think it would be, but there was the possibility of, ah, oh, will the last episode be, you know, a bit of a damp squib? Will it be disappointing? But no, it wasn't. Uh, certainly from the, the opening moments, it was, sort of like, uh, it was really firing me up. I went, my God, this is going to be really, really good. I was revisiting Lies and Ruins, the first story in this box set with the Eighth Doctor. And the the voice of this ancient TARDIS at the end whispers some names and the Eighth Doctor somehow finds them familiar. And those names were in fact the um the pilot names. Ah right, yes. I could um, vaguely just make them out when I went back to listen to that. Because he says, Oh aren't those they sound familiar. So yeah, then knows them because he's lived through Collision Course? Or, or maybe because he knows them from Time Lord Legend? Or possibly sort of like a mixture of both. Um, or a kind of a foreknowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Especially with the Eighth Doctor, because he did tend to have that. Uh, definitely in the mm-hmm. TV movie. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we've said that we have found uh, the vast majority of these episodes uh, really rather enjoyable. Uh, so at some not not any time soon because uh, but at some point I uh, I would like to go back and listen to the previous episodes just to enjoy them in of themselves. But it'd be interesting to go. Oh, that was hinted, and that's a flag up for later on, and so on. I mean, yeah. you, you've got the obvious ones as we said because when we were listening to the Split Infinitive, which was episode two, you know, they had the whole thing about Punchin, this this ghostly figure who actually has a name. It says well. That's got to pay off somehow. And it yeah. does. Um, but it'd be interesting to see, to, to listen if there's any any other subtle uh, things going on. You've just mentioned one of them, so yeah. there's bound to be others. It's probably necessary to go back and revisit because it's not like all the all the answers are just offered to us in this story. Um, part of it does require your imagination to kind of piece it all together mm-hmm. in some ways, yeah. There isn't a moment of um, pure clarity in the story where a character is saying, okay, so that's why this has happened, and, and so on and so. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, it, it, they do it as uh, as as much as possible mm. uh, and in the best way mm. and of course there will be a few unanswered questions possibly mm-hmm. so um when the sirens decide to take over this test pe- this test flight mm-hmm. of the TARDIS um I guess they've changed the course of the TARDIS so they can create this divergence because you know they feed on time paradoxes and things like that um and the, the test flight doesn't succeed and um, so the TARDIS is instead allowed to be destroyed or set off course um of course the, the eighth doctor finds the TARDIS and lies lies in ruins mm-hmm. um and that's when this TARDIS is destroyed and we hear the voice say the machine is destroyed the siren shall be th- shall be free yes yeah, um, yeah. do you think they meant not necessarily free from the TARDIS but free from their struggle with the Temperon yes I think so yeah I think I think it yeah I think it's more to do with the Temperon and in fact um, the Temperon makes a, um, a a brief appearance towards the end of this episode but yes um yeah, that's what I think it is. How about yeah. you? Oh, yes. I mean, I'm trying to reorder the appearances of the sirens and put it in a more linear sense from their point of view. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, you have to include Sirens of Time, the first ever Big Finish Doctor Who story, um, in this narrative, don't you? Because there was a story in this box set. What was, it? What was the one last week? Avenues of Possibility? Yeah. No, Collision Course. No, sorry. It was avenues, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that that ended with the sirens going off um, to conquer Gallifrey, mm-hmm. uh, more or less, yeah. Um, so it's hard um, putting all this in order. I'm just wondering where d- did the sirens go anywhere after Lies and Ruins, after they were freed, or was that was that divergent timeline just erased? <laughs> I've no idea. I think again, that's probably one of the things that we'll have to do, uh, at some point have to do. Um, go back and listen to the sounds of time, then listen yeah. to this, and then and then try to piece everything together. Cause yeah, the, the... it's like watching Lost seasons one to six all in one go and trying to say what's it all about. You just can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's it sort of the episode makes uh, collision course makes sense within the, the confines of Legacy of Time. You can. You can make sense of it um, without necessarily delving too much into it. You know, you, you you can you can enjoy the story on that surface level, but there's mm. there's an awful lot going on as well. Where if, if if you're one of those people who have a lot of fun, sort of really delving into the narrative and trying to piece it all together, clearly all that's there. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, that's a, yeah, it's probably uh, one of those. This is probably one of the stories which will definitely re- reward with repeated listening. Yeah. So we can rest assured that the answers are probably there. <laughs> so we can just leave it at that. We don't need to go <laughs> figure it out too much. Well, no, I mean, because yeah. this was all um, this was all made to celebrate uh, the 20th anniversary of Big Finish, 20 years of Big Finish doing Doctor Who adventures. Clearly, a lot of time, a lot of thought went into it. Um, mm. A lot of painstaking... Um, yeah, a, th- a lot of painstaking hard work clearly went into it. So there's 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 undoubtedly going to be things there that will be missed on on f- first listening. And then obviously you've you've got the other thing as well is because not only does this tie not only did the episodes tie in amongst themselves and then tie in with the um, the sounds of time, 
but then they also tie in with everything. Well, yeah, everything <laughs> that Big Finish has done in twenty years. Uh, it's 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 that it's that mixture of it's incredibly impressive and it's bloody insane. Uh, yeah, but it's it's just glorious. <laughs> so so yeah, there'll be things uh, that there'll be a Big Finish audio s- a story that I haven't listened to because the, there's qu- quite a lot that I still need to discover. And then I'll be listening to it go, oh, hang on a minute. That ties in with the legacy of time. Th- yeah. yeah. There's, there's a and that, lot that itself will be rewarding, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, exploring yeah, yeah. it the other way around. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Um, so the fourth slash first Doctor theme is played. I guess it would be. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> of course, um, show this box set and every story we've had the respective uh, theme tune for each Doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Romana tells Leela on Gallifrey um, all about the sirens as she pulls up, presumably, like a hologram of the universe, showing all these all these scars in the universe, how, um, I guess, the Web of Time is kind of being torn apart. Um, and she mentions the incident with the Temperon and that it's just a legend, so perhaps... She's not. She herself isn't really aware of the events of the sounds of time fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It certainly seems that way. Yeah. 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 I wonder if um, a good placement to listen to sounds of time would be in between episodes five and six. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting all the new spin on the time problems we've got in this story because, of course, we've been picking up on the recurrence theme of a problem with time, mm-hmm. but. And we're worried if it was if it was becoming repetitive, but each each episode there's a totally new spin on it, isn't there? And this one was quite unique, given that it was two alternative um, arrivals to the same planet. Yes, uh, which I thought was uh, really well done, very well handled. I mean, one because you've got the fourth Doctor, um, Tom Baker, really, really. Um, plays the doctor here marvelously well you know I, I, you know listening to him it feels like yeah that's the guy who played the doctor in the 70s in the very early 80s it felt yeah. like um and then having leela and romana because they're both they're both very distinct uh unique companions mm. um and they're really allowed to shine in their own respective ways and they they play off each other very well as well. Uh, yes. It was it was really nice to listen to uh, Lila and Romana uh, their conversations as well and how they related. So so when the story because we would have the story on the planet from when the fourth Doctor and Lila were there, and then when the fourth Doctor and Romana were there, and then we would cut to Gallifrey with Lila and Romana remember you know remembering events yeah. from their respective timelines and. And all the rest of it, but it didn't feel annoying. No, not at all. Um, I thought it was quite a unique opportunity here to get to see this mirroring cross comparison of Leela and Romana um, like in similar situations because you know they're very different characters mm-hmm. and you, you put them in the same kind of situations, not just to see um, their reaction to the environment, but how they are treated um, by the doctor as well. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the Doctor is frustrated with Romana's reliance on technology because um, she's got this temporal distortion tracker. Yeah. Um, and he says, oh, well, you know, open your eyes, look, make observations. But then we cut straight to this the version with Leela 
mm-hmm. and the doctor's using the very same tracker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So there were the quite. I, I like those, that. Yeah, there was some uh, there was some really nice uh, humorous moments scattered throughout um, throughout this, which was great. And uh, the other thing that I really liked about the the aspect of time was because um, the other aspect of time that I liked in this episode is the is the geography of where they are. You've got this this um, this city, which is uh, geographically all over the place, and uh, buildings shift along with time. Uh, and it was you, you got a real sense of how confusing uh, it would be to to navigate in a place which is geographically mm. changing in relation to when time is changing, and so on. Uh, mm. I really like that aspect of it, and in fact, it reminded me of um, the the new the new Doctor Who adventure. Um, for, uh, this is Virgin Publishing from the nineties. Uh, what was it called? Cat's Cradle, uh, Time's Crucible. Yeah. And, uh, and funny enough, uh, what that story has, um, the TARDIS is completely split apart. So what you have is this very strange uh, geographical area, city, which shifts and changes in relation to three different time zones. Um, So that's all very sort of like uh, confusing. And funny enough, that story is also tied in with the very first test flight of the very first TARDIS. Um, Oh, right, okay. So uh, I'm not, you know, Collision Course is very much its own story. But uh, for for people who are really into Doctor Who, and you know, um, th- it did sort of remind me of that early uh, Virgin Adventure, um, Times Crucible, Cat's Cradle. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, the similarities. Yeah, it's 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 a really good book. Uh, uh, it was uh, written by Mark Platt, who wrote Ghostlight. So uh, if anyone has the opportunity, to, I think that's one Virgin Adventure you can get relatively cheap. Um, so if you ever get the opportunity to buy it and read it do so yeah it's definitely something i'm aware of Mm -hmm. so it must be quite popular yeah yeah it makes me wonder when is this um set the test flight because of course we're from the tv continuity never mind the books we know we've got a vague sense of um the time lord history um specifically gallifreyan culture um moving into time lord culture um would be from the um from Rassilon. I'm not sure. Um, I think you could... Because from the TV series, we know, as you said, we know bits and pieces of this, but it is still kept relatively vague. Um, mm. So I think you can make up your own ideas of that. Again, going back to um, Time's Crucible, Cat's Cradle, um, the Test Flight and Rassilon and Omega, uh, that's all happening at the, uh, at the same time. All oh, right, okay. Because of what, course, there could there could have been um, there could have been pioneers to that of uh, previous time flights, couldn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, or or something that ignores that and came came long after. So so you, it, they're not necessarily contradicting each other. No, no, they're not. Uh, but in the, within that uh, within the book, what happens? So you've got this test flight that that's going on, uh, mm. and then on Gallifrey, what it is is that you're starting to have this massive social change because it was very based. You know, it was based on this sort of this sisterhood, uh, basically what becomes the sisterhood of Khan. You got the sisterhood all very magical and mythical, 
and then you've got Rassilon, who's the scientific figure trying to take uh, Gallifrey down that particular route. Anyway, th- he ends up winning. But what happens is uh, the that this sort of sisterhood curses uh, the rest of Gallifreyan lineage. Uh, which then goes into the looms, as we've explained in previous podcasts, when we co- you know when we briefly talked about the story Lumbarrow. Um, but this, I remember there's this nice little scene where Rassilon is talking to someone um, in his office, and he has this desk toy, and this guy's playing with it, and it's sort of like an onion, but it keeps on folding in on itself, and it seems to have greater dimensions within, and it's sort of hinting at this idea that Rassilon's the one that uh, has. You know, uh, the ability to make, um, oh, what, what you call it? You know, when things that are dimensionally transcendental. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's quite a nice little hint. There's, there's nice little... So anyway, that's the that's the novel side of things. All right. Well, in, in this story, I'm jumping ahead here, but the um, the fourth Doctor, and I believe it's Leela, go into a hangar, um, and it's this, re- this like kind of a large... Um, Hanger for the TARDIS, and he explains that this TARDIS um, doesn't have dimensional properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so very well could precede that. Mm-hmm. So when the Doctor and Leela are walking on the planet Henlin, which is um, in this case it's a jungle planet, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Because the the, the weird city's not there. <laughs> um, Leela doesn't realise these spirits coming towards them um and i don't know why but are these spirits meant to look like the sirens because otherwise i've i've come to visualize them as more like the watcher given that they're they are kind of these um time lord spirits yeah that's uh that's sort of how i envisaged them it was a bit interesting how i mean i appreciate that i'm jumping ahead here but when they die at the end of the story it's interesting how they don't regenerate Yes. So, although um, it could have been there, we do know that a certain level of kill it being killed can um, cease the regeneration cycle from happening. Yes, that that, uh, that is true. But the way that I so that may indeed be the case here. But the way I sort of read that was that the ability to regenerate comes later on. Yes. Um. They they master time travel. Then later on down the line. So does that, because you know, this idea of regeneration's always been a bit weird. Is it as a natural thing that occurs to Gallifreyans? Uh, is it something to do with time travel? So it's only just the time lords of Gallifrey, or is it something a, that is somehow engineered? It's all a bit, uh, you know, it's a bit. Um, it's a bit vague, especially in the new era, because we've got this um, this very vague explanation of being exposed to the temporal schism, and then we've also got. Um, river being conceived in on flight in the vortex that was enough to trigger this 13 life cycle yes yeah yeah um but other things have implied that um maybe it was rassilon who um did introduce the regeneration cycle and also put a cap on it Mm -hmm. as well so um back with romana and the fourth doctor um of course they've seen this city that you were talking about but then they start getting chased by soldiers. Mm-hmm. And um, it later turns out that this whole city and the inhabitants are actually multiple versions of sort of the t- of the of the crew, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That that isn't explored much. 
but we do know that they've been there for a millennia trying to sustain the different timelines mm-hmm. but it's weird if that have they developed like a culture there <laughs> it's a bit strange yeah yeah it is a bit um i think it's quite well handled he sees ancient gallifrey on the door and the door says it's just a research room yeah. um does ancient gallifrey differ from old high gallifrey is this just ancient common gallifrey or something <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, as a, maybe it's sort of, um, you know, when the, you know, when the Normans invaded in 1066, and then what ended up happening is you had this divergence of language in, uh, you know, England. So you had uh, you had the lords and those connected with you are know, the monarchy and everyone. They were speaking French, and then yeah. uh, and then everyone else was uh, speaking, you know, ye olde English. <laughs> which were and so these languages were completely separate for about you know i don't know 200 300 years before finally sort of like melding into one so maybe uh high old gallifrey is french uh, <laughs> and uh and what was this just simply ancient gallifrey and ancient gallifrey is um anglo-saxon <laughs> english or something maybe maybe they've each got claims to um the first TARDIS test flight. It's like the space race. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe the fact that it's called Ancient Gallifreyan supports the idea that maybe this does precede the Rassilon era. Yeah. I, I did like uh, the Doctor's description because uh, Lena goes, it's, it takes all those letters to say that and he goes, well, they did waffle on a bit. Yes. <laughs> and on this rare occasion, the Doctor's quite keen to leave when he realises where he is, at the significance of the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard jumping back and forward with Lena and Romana here. Um, <laughs> Romana comes up with the with the clever idea of escaping the pursuers by entering a building, and then exiting the same building into a different location mm-hmm. because the geography's um, kind of in flux here. And the Doctor says something like, "At least we've got you to think of the simple things." <laughs> and this is a good example of that not only does he intentionally or not. Um, kind of act superior to humans um with um but also to his own kind <laughs> yeah the cheeky yeah. get i'm yeah. surprised Ramona didn't give him a slap for that one uh, but that was uh, again that was quite a nice uh the funny scene yeah <laughs> <laughs> i did like that i thought, I thought it was funny because <laughs> uh, there is in fact because later on that sort of attitude uh of the doctors is 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 sort of written in into that scene, isn't it? Yes. With the way, I... yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, we keep on hinting about it. It's probably really annoying the listeners. Uh, we, we we will get to it soon. Yes. <laughs> and Ramon and the Doc get um, a message from these ghostly figures. Stop us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it's revealed that they're on Henlin. And of course, this comes at a shock to Romana as well. Because mm-hmm, yeah. of course, they're, they're aware, aware of this planet. And the Doctor says it's supposed to be a jungle planet before clarifying that he's never been there before. And um, he's questioned by Romana about this. Mm-hmm. Could this be the Doctor vaguely aware of his alternate arrival with Lila? Yes, I, th- I thought that that's what it was. It, sort of this vague sense memory, but he, he can't remember 
yeah. um, that he's been there. But there's, there's somehow that that sense impression just sneaking through. I thought so. Yeah. Um, these these spirits they conspire more and apparently seem keen to. Um, well, they seem quite self-aware. So at this point, we know the pilots pilots aren't the sirens. You know, we've got that distinction here. Um, mm-hmm. Even though they were kind of taken over by the sirens upon the test bite. But they've kind of resisted that, haven't they? They have. There seems to be these moments when uh, they're able to resist and then moments when they're able to... Uh, when they're, the sirens are completely in control of them. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of uh, fades in and out. Uh, which I suppose mm-hmm. links in with the, the different uh, timelines and so on. But uh, obviously it shows how these three test pilots were... Um, you know, that they have strong will but yeah it's uh there are moments within the story where it's they are taken over in fact going back to that first scene um where each one is taken over in turn that was actually because not only was that scene exciting but i also thought that it was quite uh that was quite creepy uh as you you know as you're realizing what's going on and one of them is holding out until the very last moment um mm-hmm. so i thought that was a, that was quite a good idea realized very well yeah. Also, with the um, the doctor and Romana talking about Henlin, you know, we we all relish in hearing Gallifrey in history. You know, it's not hinted at much on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a little spot here that um, the doctor's asking Romana um, what she knows of Henlin. Um, of course, she knows for, what she knows from the academy. Um, so that the the pilots of this TARDIS. Are of historical um, importance to the Time Lords, mm-hmm. um, but they were the Doctor's um, heroes at the Academy, so he claims. Yeah, so wow. yeah, I, d- I didn't know how to I didn't know how to read that scene. Whether you you're supposed to take the Doctor at face value because Romana's reaction is that yes, of course they were. Yes, um, but that that th- that very thing he says that they were his heroes at the Academy. Um, there's a certain irony to those words at the end of this story. Because of that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. Oh, um, the Doctor and Leela in the hangar, they witness a glimpse of the TARDIS test flight around them. Mm-hmm. And can I just say, Tom Baker's scream. <laughs> <laughs> the one that echoes over to his other self. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you get the full story? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. Were you listening through? Were you listening through headphones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So did you get the full stereo effect and how? I did. Yes. And yeah. How it lingers Next... on for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was, <laughs> it was, it was amazing. <laughs> um, and Romana and the Doctor find compartments in this machine um, filled with people-like batteries. Mm-hmm. So this is this um, this machine that's sustaining the alternate realities. Yeah. And um, so it's like the pilots have used alt- alternate versions of themselves to power it. Is that is that is that what's been implied here? Uh, that's that's what I got from it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the ghosts, eh, well, the pilots. Sorry, they say that the Doctor is close to death. What did they mean by that? Do you think? I think it's Tom Pino that that says the Doctor. You're close to death, and the doctor says, "Well, no, I'm not." I think it was. Uh, I think it was a mixture of two things, although they're probably very closely linked. Because I think uh, the sirens were becoming more aware of the doctor's presence, mm-hmm. uh, and and 
the uh, and the second thing linked in with that is because so his very presence was causing more time distortion therefore uh you know what we get uh, a, a few moments later where he is completely removed from time in fact he oh, right. dies of course yeah why did i not put the two things together <laughs> okay <laughs> no, no, that th- could no, be no. a reference to the bit where he dies yeah <laughs> Well, no, because there's an awful lot going on uh, within this episode. So, uh, yeah, so, so no, no, that's fine. Yeah, it's uh, it's referencing the bit when he dies, Rob. Because <laughs> the um, because both versions, so the one with Leela and the one with Romana, they're both um, running to the TARDIS to to escape. Um, yes, and it's, it's, that's the moment when he dies and he's, he's faded away from time. But that moment when because what's happening is time distortion is centering around this idea that the, the time flight didn't take place at all. So yeah. when they arrive at the TARDIS, it is just the empty shell, like that bit in Father's Day. Yes, totally. Just like that, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, Ramona and the Doctor insist that the test flight was a success in the past mm-hmm. and altering their history would be cataclysmic and that the TARDIS they've arrived in is proof of their test success. And Ramona mentions um, several irresponsible owners. Or the Doctor, I I gather. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think shortly after this, um, Tompino and the others, the pilots, they then lose control to the sirens, don't they? Mm -hmm. Um, After Tompino explains that this um, temporal array is the thing sustaining the other timelines. Um, And of course, if the sirens take control, they can kind of switch that off. And um, kind of wipe those other other possibilities out. Oh, but yes, that scene you were talking about where the Doctor fades away. It's quite reminiscent of um, Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> you know, the Doctor begins to fade away from existence. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, okay, I've just... Um, but I've just... I've just spoiled that for you. No. You don't need to see it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, but everyone, all the listeners, because I'm probably one of the few people who haven't seen it. Uh, so it's all the listeners will go, yeah, it's totally like that. I'll just yeah. go, yeah, Rob, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just agree. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it is like that. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so he fades away and he gives Leela some parting words. Um, well, we hear whispers of the test flight crew saying, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. Um, and the doctor says, you know, Leela, it's been a strange old life, but didn't we have fun? Which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the distraught Leela here. It's a great performance from Louise Jameson, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. I just love this, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it really... I always like... Sorry, go on. No, no, it was... Uh, sorry to interrupt you. I was just going to say, because it encapsulated everything about uh, Leela's personality, and as you said, Louise Jameson plays it, plays it incredibly well. Yeah, totally. Um, I've always liked seeing more depth, depth of Leela's kind of passion and emotion rather than trying to add more depth to her intellect, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean because one of the the because even though the whole one of the aspects to do with the doctors and Leela's relationship was that the the doctor was teaching Leela, but one of the things that really made her character stand out and yeah, it it was the it was the interesting the bits that I found really interesting in the televised stories was it's 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 when her instinct kicks in, yeah, and that's the thing that is is very finely tuned and differentiates her between the because obviously the doctor's thinking from an intellectual perspective yeah. and it is coming from this sort of this gut instinct but she was always right 
Um, so, because there's there's a, there's a moment later on in the story when it's the Doctor realizes that they're being followed in the jungle, but Leela doesn't sense anything, uh, and you re- that's that was a great moment because you realize how much how much danger that they're actually in because Leela for for once isn't picking up on it. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's 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 the moments when you focus on Leela's instinct and passion. Mm. Uh, that that's when she is at her better, best and her most interesting, um, yeah. and it sort of reminds me a bit of uh, the robots of death when th- there's a moment when the when Lila's sort of like getting very anxious and she's going on about you know I, I feel something you know something's really wrong we're in incredible danger mm. and she turns out to be right and the doctor says please don't say I told you so. Um, yeah, it's 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 that dynamic here and that passion, and uh, it's it's really rather good. And yeah, uh, that that moment with when Lila's cre- clearly very distraught about the the Doctor's death, but you know she faces it with uh, with bravery and, and yeah, it's great. It's oh. really really good. More than that, she promises to meet the enemy in the underworld and haunt them. <laughs> yeah, which is fun. Yeah, just so loyal to the Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that's fantastic. The- this might be my favourite moment from the episode. You know what? I probably agree. yes, I think I agree with you actually. Yeah, Leela's strength. Yeah. Hmm. There's also another moment here where we get to see a comparison with Leela and Romana because Leela's feeling all these emotions because the Doctor's faded away, mm-hmm. and in the alternative, we have Romana and the Doctor fading away with a mutual understanding of what's happening. They just say goodbye. Yes. Yeah. 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 So then we we'll go back to Gallifrey with Romana and Leela. Like these two instances we've just seen, they were just possibilities. <laughs> we're back to the real drama now, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Romana now knows that they must fix the problem by stopping the sirens from interrupting the timeline. Mm-hmm. Romana and Leela set off for Henlin in her TARDIS. Um, yeah, yeah. To the, right to the test flight just before it takes off. And they say a circular route via an obscure planet in the motor spiral is this clearly earth see that's what i thought at the very beginning that um that it was a reference yeah i thought it was earth when that was first mentioned very early on and then but when they give it the the name the planet Henland, maybe it's it's another planet relatively close to us <laughs> i'm not sure well i think it might be earth because of course jumping ahead we've got a moment at the end of the story where they do plot the course via earth and back again well, actually, it would make sense that it's Earth because all the uh, all the different time displacements and all uh, and all the rest of it in the previous episodes have all taken place on Earth. Yeah, so it's as if the sirens took over the test flight, continued the route to this to this obscure planet, which happens to be Earth, mm-hmm. and there's some kind of temporal crash there. the The ship is kind of crashes, or and then is ultimately just destroyed and lies in ruins. Yeah, but um, the, there's the there's obviously this um, this bullet hole in 18th century London. <laughs> um, I'm assuming that's that's the crash of the ship. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. That uh, that would make sense. And then, of course, you've got uh, relative time, episode four. Um, you know, it's explained that every all these time anom- anomalies uh, are centered around Earth. So yeah, it's um, yeah. I think you're right. Actually, I think it's. Yeah. It's curious that the sirens were simply able to um, escape their struggle with the Temperon just by considering the the slight potential of success. 
Um, I mean, the Sirens did, they did make a reattempt to lure the Seventh Doctor um, after after their entrapment by the Tempron in the final scenes of um, Sirens of Time. Mm-hmm. And the Siren manifestation of a character, I think it was Elenia, someone that the Seventh Doctor saved, she did reappear and the Doctor said it was it was like one last attempt from the Sirens. So it's as if they, they could still reach out. Yes, yeah, yeah. And possibly. Mm-hmm. It's strange. It's almost like there's, there's always another possibility that this can happen. Like who's to say they can't try it yet again? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they'll maybe they'll, maybe they'll maybe be they'll. the villains in the thirtieth anniversary for Big Finish. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so yes, just before the TARDIS dematerializes, the the test one, Romana's TARDIS arrives, um, and they implore the pilots to resist the sirens, mm-hmm. um, and then this is the moment where Tompino resists the sirens by sacrificing the entire crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they all die, yeah. But the siren's happy with this. Um, Romana has stopped the paradox by creating yet another paradox. Like in turn, um, Romana has arrived, caused the crew to kill themselves, and of course this test like can't happen now. Yeah. So there's a big problem here. <laughs> yeah. And um, she says, "Oh well, she can't fly the TARDIS alone. They need six pilots and one captain." And they have to be Time Lords. <laughs> and this is the moment when you're thinking, hmm, okay, I know where this is going here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, listeners, we finally arrived. We're talking about that scene. Yes. Uh, the the uh, doctors arrive. Anyway, moving on. Yes. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I think nothing more important happens to this. <laughs> um, this has kind of happened before in Journey's End. When the doctor explains, oh, yeah, it was it was designed for six pilots or whatever. And you've got um, Mickey, Jackie... Rose, Donna, and uh, I don't know, <laughs> Martha. Um, funnily enough, I knew there was going to be a big team up at the end of series four, mm-hmm. and I, I, did, I did imagine, I did predict this scene, but I didn't predict it as disappointing as it was. It was too, it was too cheery and happy. <laughs> I thought I, I wanted to be, I wanted it to be really kind of like bleak and like, okay, we're going to war kind of thing, and it was too, it was just too happy, too. I don't know. <laughs> I think I know I know I know what you mean, but at the same time, I think probably that that story needed it because there was a lot of bleak stuff going on. And considering yeah. what happens to Donna at the end of that story as well, and considering <laughs> what happened to her in the previous story, which was Turner, I think. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from, but at the same time, I think probably the story needed that bit of levity. Maybe yeah, but it happens better in this story, doesn't it? <laughs> Yes, I think so. Yes. So you get Tom Baker, then Peter Davison rocks up, then you get Colin Baker that turns up, then Sylvester McCoy turns up, then Paul McGann turns up, then Tim Trelaw comes along, confuses me for a bit, and then go, oh, he's the third Doctor. Got it. Yep. And then, it does get a, bit, it gets a bit more confusing. It does get more confusing. <laughs> it took me ages to cotton on what was going on. But, uh, because then what happens is David Tennant turns up, and he goes, oh my God, this is fantastic. And he, <laughs> So I love that. And then... Um, David Bradley's the first Doctor, and he got yeah, fine. And then there's some other there's some other bloke, and I'm trying to who's that? What? I'm confused. Uh, okay, so oh, so obviously it, it took me ages <laughs> to realise that is that the second Doctor? No, it can't be. It doesn't sound like the second Doctor. Well, it has to be the second Doctor. It confused me. Yes, and of course, do you know who plays the second Doctor? It's Fraser Hines. Yes, 
And of course, he did play the second Doctor in Legacy of Time. Did he? As, as well, yes. Right, okay. You, yeah. It's been no, a while since... No, no so the, the, this is the Legacy of Time. Sorry, I'm talking about the light at the end. Yeah, and, yes, yes, of course you <laughs> yes. I knew what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> but um, similarly to Fraser Hines playing the second Doctor, because he was his companion, mm-hmm. um, in the light at the end, William Russell played the first Doctor briefly and just like Fraser Hines that feels like a legitimate kind of um, casting doesn't it even if the performance isn't quite right Mm -hmm. or convincing enough rather it does feel fit in having someone um, who knew them Yes, it does, and uh, so yeah. So even I'm sort of joking, because it, it did honestly confuse me a bit. Because I was kind of, is that supposed to be the second Doctor or not? Or maybe it's a future Doctor that we're not. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. But 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 yes, you should, really, I should have cottoned on a lot quicker. So I don't really. I think that I think that's the fault of me rather than Fraser Hines. Uh, but yeah, as you say, it's not. He's not. You know, you don't listen to it and go. That is a an impression of Patrick Trout, although he's clearly trying to to do that. But yes, he. Um, it does feel quite a respectful, legitimate thing to do because not only was Fraser Hines in the Patrick Troughton era, but he was also friends with Patrick Troughton. Yes. Uh, and I, I quite like that. You know, you've got this close friend of his that, that worked together during those three years. Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was a good idea and as you say, quite respectful. So, Yeah. And of course, it's a completely different situation with Tim Trello. But, however, he's already done two or three box sets already. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that feels like um, a just cause for casting him here. Oh yeah, yeah, I know it makes sense. And yeah. obviously, because he was he played the third Doctor in the Sacrifice of Joe Grant, uh, the third episode of Legacy. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's a bit odd because the, there are moments when he does sound like John Pertwee, and then there are moments when when he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So it, and especially because you, you know, I think what it is. It's, I don't think it's necessarily the fault of Tim Trelo because I think when we were reviewing The Sacrifice of Joe Grant, you know, we talked about, you know, I think I said at the time is that he actually does quite a decent job of playing the Third Doctor, and it's fine. I think the reason why it potentially jars here, and this isn't the fault of, of him, it's simply because, you know, we've got Tom Baker and Peter Davis and Sylvester McCoy and Colin Baker and Paul McGann and David Tennant. You know, six actors who played the Doctor playing the Doctor again, you know, we know their voices. Mm-hmm. We know it's them. So when you've got someone else coming in and, you know, it doesn't quite sound like John Pertwee. Yeah, know. and there's no there's no visual aspect to it. You just yes. don't know. Yeah, I um, remember being really confused in um, the, the light at the end mm-hmm. with the first and second Doctors, and third Doctors, rather. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I think that that's not the fault of the actors coming on playing those parts because they do actually... They, do do it really well. I just think it's because of everything else that's surrounding them. It yeah. uh, it just it jars a little bit. But yeah. finally, you know, because the scene goes on for quite a while because this is you know this is all you know this is wrapping the entire story up as well as the episode. And it's all very yeah. you know it's it's tremendously exciting. It builds and it goes on, and there are some lovely comic moments th- thrown in. I, I, you know, again, I love. The, it's mainly the play between Davis and McCoy and Baker, Colin Baker, that is. Yeah. Um, 
that, that that really works and i just love the seventh doctor telling us uh the sixth you know if you turn the color of your trousers down i might be able to concentrate you know, <laughs> just you know moments like that which you know, did make me laugh so it was you know that was all good yeah some good dynamics uh-huh. uh yeah so, so there's nine doctors in this story uh-huh. um doctors one through eight and then ten so obviously we're missing the war doctor and the ninth doctor uh-huh. um of course um the late john hurt has appeared in big finish yes um but all the others are the active big finish doctors including david tennant mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah so of course eccleston smith capaldi and jodie whittaker aren't so you know there's this cause for having david tennant in and not the others because this celebrates all of big finish and david tennant is a big finish doctor now yeah because he's yeah. done um he's done quite a few stories already yeah, funny enough, there was a brief moment. Uh, there was a very brief moment uh, when I did think that maybe Jodie Whittaker was uh, was to appear. Yes, uh, well, I thought maybe there's, there's a moment where Benny steps out the TARDIS. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. that's the that's the one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I'm happy that it is Benny, and I like how you know how that scene plays out. But there was a moment going, have they got Jodie Whittaker in? <gasps> oh, that'd be so good. Co- oh, it's uh, it's it's Benny, it's Benny. But that's still good. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there was a brief moment when I thought uh, maybe we would get uh, Jodie Whittaker in. Yeah. I'm sure all, all things like that were considered, possibly. Um, so Benny gets quite a big hug from Ten, doesn't she? Yes, yes. Um, this is a meeting I never would have thought possible. Um, after all, she's not even part of the television continuity, um, given that she's only appeared in books and audios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course she has appeared in on the television. She was in um, Survival. Um, yes, but she played a, che- uh, a cheater yeah, person. She did, yes, yeah. yeah. So the three doctors, ten, one, and two. Mm-hmm. Of course, they would never admit to being unneeded. So the uh, the kind of fib about needing to um, compensate for temporal instability. Yeah. But this is even after the girls have gave them a pretty good reason to go anyway. So say they're like, you can't be here. Everything's just going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of come up with an excuse to go anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, and uh, But I like it when I think it's uh, the fifth doctor that uh, sort of like cottons on. But they all do. But it's he seems the first one who, who articulates that all the other doctors know that they were talking nonsense. But it's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just bring them along. So <laughs> it's, it's all good. Yeah. I love the scene at the end when um, the second doctor's like, um, can I do this thing with a hammer? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. At, the, at this point, did you not even know who it was? Some crazy old man with a no. <laughs> possibly slight bit of Scottish there. <laughs> no. Um, Some weird old Jamie. <laughs> no, no. At that point, at that point, I cottoned on it was a second Doctor. It just threw. Yeah. Uh, it just. It, it just threw me a little bit to begin with. I think it was because of all the excitement as well. It was just, oh, it's David Tennant. I recognise that. Who the hell is this? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, that, that was really good. It was good. in fact, yeah. it was fantastic. Really, it was great. Yeah. Um, would you have liked if they they had left the TARDIS to say hello to everyone? Yeah, I think that would have been um, mm. quite nice. But uh, but I don't feel it was. Uh, I don't think anything was ruined. Yeah. No. Um, I feel like I've, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the arrival of the tenth, first, and second Doctors wasn't even necessary. To, wasn't beneficial to the story. <laughs> it was just a nice surprise. <laughs> yes, that was the thing. I mean, all the other doctors turning up was integral to the uh, to, to everything being resolved. Uh, you are right. 
the other doctors turning up wasn't doesn't serve as the plot in any particular way it is just a nice surprise but it's one of those things where yeah it doesn't serve as the plot but i'm still immensely pleased that it is there totally yeah i mean it's not long ago since um there was a time when you'd have the television series going and mm-hmm. big finish like two separate entities you know it was it was almost like the television's never going to acknowledge big finish mm-hmm. and big finish aren't going to acknowledge the new era and now it's all kind of merged together, which is quite cool. Yes, yeah, it, it is really good. I'm pleased that Big Finish have, you know, got the rights to use some of the newly created monsters and villains of Doctor Who. They're able to use David Tennant, you know, and Donna's come in, and uh, uh, Rose as well, and uh, it is really nice. And then, uh, you know, you had all the, the, eighth, the eighth Doctor Big Finish companions referenced with um, the Night of the Doctor, the, the mini episode which showed the regeneration yes. of Paul McGann so you know they're bringing that continuity in so the fact that uh, um, David Tennant's doctor acknowledges Benny yeah she's canon it's official I mean there was never <laughs> any question from, from from our perspective but does this box set um, imply to you that the, well how do I put this is there a dominant doctor in this box set to you Oh, that's a good not, question. Not, not really which is your favourite that you that you kind of um, latch onto, but it, yeah, is there, did, did any of the Doctors in this story feel more prominent? I know on the, on the front of the box, McGann's in the middle, and to me, he he still seems like the current past Doctor. Like, even though um, we've got so many Doctors with Big Finish, mm-hmm. it still seems like, of all that's going on with all the different storylines... He's he's still the main doctor. I totally uh, maybe maybe that's my just my point of view though. No, no, I totally I totally get what you mean, and I sort of uh, agree agree with you there. Um, but I think just in terms of the legacy of time, I think the doctors that stood out for me were the were the two bakers. Um, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't say that the uh, Sylvester McCoy's doctor stood out uh, particularly. No. I don't mean in terms of his performance because you know Sylvester McCoy is a very good actor and played the part well. It's just. The Split Infinitive, which is a story that I very much liked. If you mm. listen, to, uh, you know, if, if you listen to it, and I think we commented at the, the in our podcast when we reviewed it, which was that obviously it's the Countermeasures team, which is you know uh, at the forefront of that episode uh, with with Ace and the Seventh Doctor. In comparison, feels a bit um, put on the sidelines a bit. Yeah. Um, but the avenues of possibility, I think, Colin Baker really. Sean in that I really loved his performance. Um, Tom Baker in Collision Course, which is as brief top. as brief as it was. Yeah, I feel like we could have we needed more Tom, didn't we? Mm-hmm. They were all good. Even the yeah. Third Doctor story was quite good. Oh yes, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. The for the Doctor, yeah. yeah. But again, obviously that was that was that was more uh, Katie Manning and and, and uh, Joe Jones um, or Joe mm. Grant, but you know, being at the, um, the, the that was the main focus. Yeah. I think all in all, I th- you know, I, th- I think um, I think they were all balanced out really rather well. Yeah. Well, there must have been. It just goes to show that we we can't pick one. So yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, totally. So I think it was a good story. There's always some reservations about doing a multi-doctor story. And mm-hmm. um, however, the dynamic between all these multi-doctor stories we've had over the years, it's never quite the same, is it? Um. In this one, we've got the main big Finnish doctors, um, and they all get some good, 
good dialogue between them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes, plus we get um, a stand-in for the third Doctor. And then a bit on the side we get the first, second and tenth Doctors. Yeah. So that's another dynamic we haven't had. We haven't had two teams of Doctors working there. Although we kind of have in the day of the Doctor, haven't we? I don't know, yeah, but it's a different dynamic in all these stories, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. Like the light at the end, we had a kind of two-by-two approach, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of teamed up together. So yeah, I think I think multi-doctor stories are always a good thing because there's always a new dynamic. Oh, we're getting near that moment where I'm going to have to give a rating. <laughs> you make it sound like such an ordeal. T- it is. <laughs> okay, well, I've got mine, but... Would you like to go first? Or do I need to go first? No, you go first. Right, okay. Well, I really enjoyed Collision Course. I think it was a, a, a cracking good uh, episode. It was exciting. It had lots of good ideas. The dynamic there was really uh, pleasant um, moments, funny moments, uh, drama, excitement, danger, all the rest of it. Some nice surprises. I think it was great. So um, I can't fault it. I give it 10 out of 10. Okay. Well, I, I can fault it. <gasps> <laughs> um, it was all kind of huddled together. I wanted more connections throughout the, the story and it, I wanted more Tom Baker. I wanted more of the Doctors together. Hmm. So what I... My method here, I've gave it an 8 out of 10, but I'm also giving it a, a, a bonus 2 points. I see. So, Why? incidentally, it's a ten out of ten, just because it's brilliant. And the, the, you know what they've managed to achieve. They get they've got they've got all the doctors there. You can't really fault that. You can't you can't whinge about that. No, that's true. So I'm giving it eight out of ten plus two. Great. Okay. Uh, fantastic. Now, what would you rank the legacy of time as a whole? Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I would have to mark it down from 10. Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. I haven't put any thought into this, which is this episode in particular. Maybe I'll stick with an 8 out of 10. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah, that's quite good. Um, I'm struggling giving it a, uh, the, the overall thing a ranking as well. I think, because um, I'm toying between giving it a 7 or 8. I think it's got this... Um this revisit factor to it. You know, you, you yes. can jump into it and you can listen listen to any story you, you want. Mm-hmm. The problem with um, other stories, say, even though it was just a two-parter, but Legacy of... Uh, sorry, let's say it again. The Light at the End. You can't just jump into that and have a quick listen. You have to listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is a very accessible box set. You can, you can go and listen to your favourite story. You can maybe learn something new. Upon revisiting it, mm-hmm. um, it rewards long-term fans for listening to um, all the other Big Finish Rangers. On the other hand, it quite annoyingly lures you into buying more Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Damn them, bloody Big Finish. No, 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 you're right, because uh, you know when we were reviewing uh, some of the previous episodes, because uh, you're... You are a lot more familiar with Big Finish than I am, so you were picking up a lot more uh, stuff than I than I did. But yeah. I I didn't feel lost, so you know I'm you know I've listened to a handful of, of Big Finish, obviously the, as well as the ones of um, that we've reviewed in previous podcasts. But yeah. um, 
Oh, no, I'm relatively unfamiliar with it. So, you know, when we were reviewing the Split Definitive and there was reference to Rocket Man, I just thought that, was, yes. that they were just describing uh, uh, these people as Rocket Man because they had uh, jetpacks. But you, but then you actually explained that no, uh, Rocket Men are actually a thing in a, another series that Big Finish do. So there's all that. So I think, you, you know, you can come to the Legacy of Time, as you've said, you know, enjoy the individual episodes in of themselves. You can enjoy the whole thing you can you can come to it without having to be you know dyed in the wool and know everything about big finish but obviously yeah. the more you do know about big finish the more rewarding it, it will be because there's more stuff you can pick up on so totally. actually you know they've done they've done a really really cracking good job uh with the whole thing i think actually now that sort of thinking about it i'll probably give it eight out of ten so I think that's a good, respectable yeah. score. I just totally, think yeah. uh, episodes, you know, relative time, I thought, you know, was it was fine, but it didn't particularly excite me as much as, you know, Split Infinitive, uh, the Avenues of Possibility and Collision Course. So, you know, it's just, mm. just little moments sort of bring the score down a bit. But, you know, the overall thing is still, is still really rather good. Yeah. And I surprised myself a minute ago. I found myself reeling up this massive pro-con list of the of the box set in my head and there's a lot of cons a lot of pros but the the pros do outweigh the rest mm -hmm. yeah but yeah cracking box set yeah fantastic uh, i'm pleased we've reached the end so we so we can move on but at the same time uh i do look forward to you know at, at some point going back and then re-listening to it yes and i'm excited to go into some new stuff we've had a discussion over the week, haven't we? Mm -hmm. About where where we want to go from here. Of course, we've got Jodie Whittaker's new series, um, series twelve. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Um. Of course, that's coming up. Who knows when? Who knows? Um. <laughs> <laughs> sometime after the new year. Mm -hmm. Um. I've got. I've always got a feeling it's going to be earlier the new year. Um. But you know, maybe it won't be. <laughs> um. So. We've got a few ideas of listening to standalone stories and um, possibly revisiting a whole season at a time. Uh, well, over over consecutive weeks. Yes, that's right. We've uh, we've uh, we've got this idea of um, a couple of s seasons of classic Doctor Who we would like to look at as a whole, um, but that won't be for a little time yet. But you know, we, we've got ideas in the pipeline. Uh, but more immediately, next week, we will be looking at the Patrick Troughton story, The Mind Robber.